0: Good afternoon everybody, hope you're doing well, it's Steph. It is time for us to investigate the scintillatingly titled, but occasionally less than gripping problem of the free rider. Now I've done podcasts on this in regards to the police, and also with regards to uh, national defense. But there is a sort of general principle at work in the question of the free rider that's worth having a uh, chat about, because when you talk about the free market with people and freedom in general, one of the things that always comes up, it's like the sticky burr on people's brains, is that there are certain goods which you cannot exclude people from using, and you, um, uh, but they need to be there, and therefore they have to be charged, but you can't charge them on per use basis, and bloody blah blah, blah, blah so uh, there's are things that are thrown in like there's in lighthouses and roads and sidewalks and all this kind of stuff, which is that you can't this is the argument i'm not saying I agree with it, but this is the way that the argument goes. People say, well, you can't exclude people from these goods. you know think of a sidewalk, you can't exclude people from walking along a sidewalk, and therefore. The sidewalk has to be there. You can't exclude, so you have to have a government which taxes people. And that is considered to be the way in which this problem of the free rider is solved. And we've talked about this in terms of the problem of the commons before. I won't sort of go into that again. But I wanted to point out a couple of things that are just so brain dead with this position. I mean, even more so than the usual statist arguments. And this occurs among libertarians and minarchists, so a national defense, oh my God, you can't have national defense without a state, because of the problem of the free rider, and the, the people won't pay, and the, everyone gets the benefit, but very, everyone gets a tertiary benefit, and nobody get, wants to pay for that benefit, and blah 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 and it's just, oh my God, what a bunch of retarded nonsense. I don't mean to sound harsh, but <laughs> the, the essential, well, we'll get to that in a bit. Let's sort of outline the, uh, the opposition to the position that I'll put forward first, and then we can see if there's not a way to solve it without flatlining our frontal lobes. So, there are some goods that you can exclude others. So, for instance, uh, I'm wearing a nice uh, set of Joe boxers uh, at the moment, and because I'm wearing them, you're not. And now I know that that's, uh, let me just give you a moment to compose yourself in the emotional crushing, emotional disappointment of not being able to share a pair of Joe boxers with me, but the fact that I'm wearing them means that you can't wear them, and conversely, or at least you probably wouldn't want to. Uh, especially, I think I'm having Indian tonight, so we might, uh, nobody might be able to wear them again. I just uh, burn them or, or get a priest in or something. But you uh, can't wear them if I'm wearing them. And I can't wear them if you're wearing them. So those goods you can exclude, right? So if there are goods that you can exclude other people or one person, only one person can use it. And if that person is using it, other people can't. And, of course, food is, is a, you know, a pretty significant thing here. So uh, a piece of bread, if I eat it, uh, again, unless you're very quick and not too squeamish, you can't eat it um, yourself, right? So I consume it and you can't consume it. Uh, It's a zero-sum game. And therefore, since I can exclude you from using it and it's a sort of one-use thing, that definitely falls into the realm, if you're not a complete communist wacko, that falls into the realm of a private good. I can exclude you from it uh, if you steal my underwear. Actually, I I think I'd be kind of flattered. But if I wasn't, uh, if I was a porn star, again, then I would call the cops and say, dude, took my pantyhose and they would go and get it back from you and you would end up on some video show. So, this uh, question of the can you exclude others from it? Is this a zero-sum game good? is sort of one aspect of of looking at it. And the more goods and services and capital and whatever, resources, the more resources that you place into this realm of the free rider problem, the more left-wing you are, the more, socialistic, uh, the more socialistically-leaning you are. And the less goods that you put in there, the, I guess, more right-leaning traditionally you are, and if you put no goods in the public sector, then uh, it seems to me that you're kind of an anarcho-capitalist, because, you know, there's no public sector, right? So. So the first thing that I sort of want to point out is that this whole phrase, public sector, is just a big, steaming, bubbling load of codswallop. It's Latin, you can look it up. There's no such thing as a public sector versus a private sector. People just make up these terms which are the complete opposite of any kind of thinking. Just make up stuff it's the same way that people make up other dimensions with which they can put God in as a solitary, uh, significant, and eternal inhabitant. People just make up shit, and then call it thought. Right? So <laughs> they say, "Well, see, there's the private sector, and then there's the public sector." And of course, there aren't these two dimensions in the real world. There's no symposium-like other realm of Platonic cave extrusion wherein you can go and view the perfect forms of public good. There's only people who. Um, who do stuff voluntarily and people who do stuff through force. Public, private. Public, private, public, private. Uh, Try gun, no gun. Gun, no gun. Great lovemaking. Theft, trade. Uh, People just love to make up these euphemisms, like, oh, it's in the public sector. It's the public sector. It's just another sector. It's like the private sector, but just some different letters. Well, no, of course, the fundamental difference between the public sector and the private sector is the private sector is voluntary. And in the public sector, you get your ass thrown in jail where your ass goes through some several rather exciting series of adventures if you don't obey, uh, obey the people in power. And this, of course, is the a uh, little trick that the minarchists and libertarians who are still status and regular old status all the way to the communists and fascists this is the little trick that they pull. They say, well, see, there's this problem called the free rider, and we'll get to that in a little, bo- little bit more detail in a few minutes. There's a problem called the free rider, but don't you worry your pretty little head about it. We've got a solution called the golden gun. We've got a solution. Uh, we point guns at everyone, and we solve that problem, which is, of course, uh, very similar to, as I said before, solving a headache with a fucking guillotine. Uh, the problem, even if we accept that it exists, is not solved by arming a bunch of thugs, arming a bunch of thugs. It's sort of like saying, you know, I got some weeds in my garden. Uh, I'm going to call up Joe Low Strafe bombing napalm in a biplane guy, and then uh, I'm not going to have any more weeds. And that's true, but you won't have any more lawn or house. And if your if your kids are outside, uh, they won't have any skin. So. That is not a way to solve the problem. There's very, very few of us who would reach for napalm as a solution for weeding, and this is exactly what is proposed to solve the problem of the free rider, is that you arm a bunch of thugs, you disarm everyone else, and, ho, oh, magically, wonderfully, amazingly, uh, everything just becomes hunky-dory. So let's take one uh, example of uh, the lighthouse. The lighthouse is uh, something that is continually brought up in the free rider problem right so you've, you've got a lighthouse in a harbor that warns ships away from rocks and let's just pretend that this is pre sonar or whatever pre pre echo sounding location devices and you have five ships that come into that harbor on a pretty regular basis so the free r- rider argument will say something like this well look you build this lighthouse it costs you money to build it and to run it and what happens is you have to keep this lighthouse running because you don't know who's out there. And if you turn this lighthouse off, then the people who've paid you for the lighthouse service will be upset, run, run aground or whatever. But since you have to, so since you have to keep the lighthouse on because of these people, the people who don't pay, let's say three ships are paying, well the two ships who don't pay get the perpetual benefit of the lighthouse and because they get the perpetual benefit of the lighthouse without paying, there's uh, no solution for this whatsoever other than to have armed guards meet every ship as it docks and say, hand me over 50 bucks for the lighthouse or I'm going to shoot your guts out. That's, That's really, that's the only solution. Guns, thugs, brutality, rape rooms, jails, the escalating and infinite power of the state, war, the crippling of uh, uh, social institutions that are benevolent and charitable, uh, the substituting of the social safety noose that strangles and corrupts and destroys vast underclasses, the military-industrial complex, uh, all of the paraphernalia that goes along, the jailing of millions of people and ask banging gulags, all of the hellish paraphernalia that goes along with the state, is basically in vogue because there's 50 fucking bucks that are missing from one ship owner based on a lighthouse. Do you see what I mean? Like weeds versus napalm. Needs weeds solved with napalm. Hangnails solved with amputation. This is the problem that is put forward. Uh, 50 bucks is missing for the lighthouse, so we have to enslave the entire population in an ever-escalating inflationary uh, controlled of money supply, war, civil war, hellish mess of despotism, power, tyranny, and escalating dictatorship. Because, you know, these these fucking lighthouses, I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Surrender all of your, all of your freedoms to the goddamn lighthouses. Right. Now, people just say this stuff, right? They don't research it. They don't look this stuff up. And that's because they, you know, we've gone through the whole sequence, right? They're brutalized by their families. They need to justify power. So whatever they're going to use to justify power, they will. It's making up excuses for the escalation of power, justification of power, so they don't have to deal with their own history. So it's been sort of gospel. I, Adam Smith mentioned uh, this uh, private lighthouse stuff, but it's been gospel pretty much since the 19th century through to the late 20th century. But lighthouses, you know, you didn't... Before there was the government, there was no such thing as bloody lighthouses. Lighthouses, oh my God, did they ever not exist. And people were so fucking retarded, they just ran their ships up into the harbor, and the ships ended like four miles inland. They just drove them so fast into the rocks because people, you know, they just couldn't solve these problems. Human beings can, you know, we can split the atom, put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out how to fund a lighthouse. Because, but of course, it's pure nonsense. Uh, lighthouses were private originally, and uh, they were not funded by the state because there was no state relative to the need for people to have lighthouses. So, I mean, lighthouses were private, and how did they work? Well, people paid for them. I mean, it's like it's like these economists, these these ass clowns who sell our slav- sell ourselves. Uh, sell our freedoms down the river, sell us into slavery for the sake of 50 bucks on a dock. It's like they've never been to a goddamn restaurant. Maybe it's because I was a waiter for a couple of years when I was a teenager that I kind of understand this sort of principle that if you've ever been a waiter, you understand the same principle. If you were ever to go to one of these jerks and say, well, you know, uh, the way that we're going to have restaurants work is uh, people are just going to pay, you know, half or more than half of the waiter's and the busboy's salary and it's like oh how's that going is going to be added to the meal is it going to be tagged no they're just going to pay it voluntarily oh the economist is going to go ha, 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 ha there's just no way that uh, people would ever do that voluntarily how would it be in their interest blah, blah 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 especially if they've just gone to that restaurant once and they're never going to come back and they're out of town and blah blah blah. they go to a different restaurant never have to deal with the same waiter it's never going to work people are, all that kind of stuff right just nonsense. Of course, T.I.P.S. originally was to ensure, it was an acronym for to ensure prompt service, you sort of give it to the waiter at the beginning, but that's not sort of necessary, it's not how it works anymore. But T.I.P.S. is fundamental, I mean, sort of out in Punta Cana, where you tip the maid like 10 bucks a week and tip these people and of salespeople. people. Uh, people tip, they just do. Uh, I almost had like in the years that I was waitering, maybe one or two people didn't leave a tip and sometimes people would leave a crappy tip but that was mostly because they had miscalculated their meal and had come with a 20 and uh, you know 19 bucks worth of food. They'd missed the tax, so they just didn't have enough money to tip me. That's sort of what I believe. But uh, most people left a decent, generous tip, 10%, 15 20%. And, uh so people pay voluntarily for things that they don't have to pay for. And look at these podcasts, and we'll talk about the economics of Free Domain Radio uh, another time. I don't think the traffic is slow enough. We'll get into it now, but... Uh, people pay because uh, they they got to face the harbor master a harbor master is going to be down there if you don't pay for the lighthouse if you miss your yearly payment of uh, 50 or 500 bucks or whatever for the lighthouse harbor master is going to come down and say you know it'd be real nice if you chipped in for this lighthouse but human beings are fundamentally have a, have a great deal of difficulty doing something which they openly express as unfair Everybody got into a fight. Was provoked by the other person. All wars are started as a response to fears of aggression, or quote fears of aggression. Human beings always have to redefine what they do as just and fair because people have a very difficult time looking at someone looking someone in the eye and say, yes, I'm going to screw you. I mean not in the fun way. Yes, I'm going to uh, cheat you, and I'm openly and acknowledgingly going to not give you the money that is just for me to give you. you know, people have a very tough time doing that. If you've ever not had the money to tip at a restaurant, don't you feel like leaving it out saying, listen, your service was great. I just I just calculated things really badly. I'm so sorry. This is a more prior to Visa and, and, and Interact cards, at least prior to me having them. So, people would tip. They just would throw the money in and so on, right? And, and there's ways that you can enforce this if this doesn't work or whatever. You get some I don't know, think of the Russian steamers or whatever. They're never going to come back. They don't want to pay. Well, what you can do is you put up a public list. I mean, public lists are very powerful. You put up a public list, if you want, saying, you know, there are these 10 ships that regularly use this Harbor. These guys have paid their fees, and these guys haven't. And what happens is you can also say, look, I'm going to put spotters out there randomly put spotters out there randomly and one day one day or one night i guess your ship is going to be the only ship that's out there i'm going to use sonar or whatever your ship's going to be the only ship that's out there and i'm going to turn the damn lighthouse off one day you never know when that's going to happen one day i'm going to turn the lighthouse off because you haven't paid and of course what's going to happen is the sailors are going to see this list and say what are you crazy i'm not coming on your ship If you don't pay for the lighthouse, because if they turn the lighthouse off, we're going to run aground, I could get killed. Forget it, I'm going to go work on some other ship. And then you either have to raise wages, and the wages that you raise will be more than what you'll pay for the lighthouse. There's lots of ways to do it, right? There's lots of ways to do it, that you can get these things done. And, of course, lighthouses were private to begin with, especially along the eastern coast of the United States. And then they were taken over by the government and the The government just takes things over and then people, oh my god, I can't imagine how it would work any other way but people need lighthouses and you can figure out ways to get it done Uh, people like to do fair and decent things they like to the economics of a good conscience is, or the economics of fairness is is an entirely, I do believe, understudied phenomenon in the field of economics What is the motive that people have to spend money outside of mere financial advantage? Of course, people send me donations they don't have to pay for a thing. I mean, I don't even know who's downloading. I guess I could figure out the IP address, but so what? So what? How would that help me? So, there is an economics of good conscience, an economics of fair play. which people really do deploy or use in their lives. And it's sort of like uh, like playing chess, right? There's an economics, even of fair play of playing chess. If you've got a chess person that you like to play with and whenever he sort of looks, like reaches down to tie up his shoes, what you do is move the pieces around to put yours in more advantage, right? Stick the, I don't know, the queen up your nose or something then if he figures that out, then you're, he's not going to want to play with you anymore, right? So you can lose a chess partner. So why do you obey the rules in chess? Because you want to do the fair and decent thing and also not be known as a cheater, and also because you want to continue to have a chess partner. There's lots of things, lots of decisions that people make just to be good people. Churches run entirely on charity. Charities, naturally, run entirely on charity. So people do lots of stuff, spend lots of money for the sake of uh, feeling like a good person and being... And Of course, if you listen to people uh, closely, they're always talking about how good they are. They're always talking about how what they do is superior. They're always talking about how good uh, they are. And you know, you hear all of these parents who are total bores who talk about, "Oh, we only allow our kids 20 minutes of TV a day. we don't let them play violent video games. That's always the bombs right. And our children seem to be slowly expiring from boredom. <laughs> but people do lots of stuff just to make themselves feel like uh, like good people. So where there are these sort of public good things, uh, well, people are going to do the rational the rational thing. They're going to do the logical thing. And the logical thing is if you're going to keep coming into a harbor, you're going to pay your dues. You're going to pay your dues. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. I lived on that very quote, benevolence, for years, for years and years. And, ooh, can you prove it? Well, yeah, of course you can prove it. I wish somebody would do the economics of a good conscience, the economics of tipping and all this, just to prove statistically. And people say, well, you can't rely on that. You can't be sure of that. Yeah, I got it. But can you be sure of the government? Hell, yeah, you can be sure of the government in a bad way. Trying to substitute the perfect for the good always results in hell. The perfect is shit that you put on a good layer cake in place of icing. So, yeah, you can, and I've done the national defense thing before, there's lots of ways to do it, and uh, there's enough uh, motivated and positive people who will do the right thing, certainly to give me a chance to, uh, I mean, despite a fairly catastrophic decline in income to give free domain radio, a good go on a full-time basis, but the free-rider problem uh, is uh, uh, is something that, to sort of get to the, the second part of this, which I think is, is even more important than the first part, uh, anything that you come up with that's a free-rider problem can be solved. and say, well, the government hasn't figured out a way to solve it. Yeah, but of course the government is retarded. Well, the government's never going to do anything. It's like saying my, my house plant hasn't figured out uh, the, um, the unified field theory yet. It's like, well, yeah, okay, it's a <laughs> it's house plant, right? What's it going to do? It right? doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means that your house plant isn't going to get it done. But um, the uh, the issue with the uh, the free rider uh, also shows up uh, in, uh, in other areas that uh, have consistently been solved throughout history by sort of free market uh, institutions or revolutions. So, for instance... People say, well, a sidewalk is a public good because you can't exclude people from coming in and this and that and the other. Well, it's like these people have never been to a mall, you know? (laughs) It's like, don't you ever go to the mall? Like, dude, ever go to the mall and just, like, hang? What's that uh, great tagline from not such a great film called Mallrats? They're not there to shop. They're not there to work. They're just there. (laughs) And that is, of course, the mall phenomenon. Malls are built privately, and you have mall force, security cops for the mall, uh, who throw out the uh, kids who are doing the bad things or whatever, right? But a mall is privately built, and why? it's more particular up here in Canada because, you know, the weather sucks. But malls are privately built, and the sidewalk, if you think of the mall space, the space between the malls and those little stands with the depressed people uh, hanging around them, little cell phone covers and stuff like that, the um the places that you walk in the mall to get from store to store the tiled things are that's uh that's a sidewalk it's exactly the same as a private sidewalk it's what you walk to get from your car to the store right so you've got your private parking lots and you've got your private sidewalks whether they're enclosed or not up here in canada they're always enclosed and so why uh, why do why why do the um Why do the store owners provide you uh, a sidewalk rather than, say, a deep hole, a gaping pit, a moat filled with alligators, uh, fiery jets of flame, magnesium pots, uh, spikes, Bengal tigers? Why is it that they provide you an even and pleasant place to walk, to get to their stores? Gosh, I wonder. Gee, I wish I was a better economist, could figure this out. I wonder if it might have something to do with with the fact that they want you to go to the store and buy some stuff. Now, that's too obvious. It's got to be something else. So clearly, the, the store owners have an interest in providing a sidewalk to uh, people so that those people can get to their stores. If you've ever seen, you know, the uh, here in Toronto, of course, the, uh, as in most places, the government is forever tearing up the sidewalks because it needs to inconvenience people and spend money. And the store owners, uh, what they do is uh, they, they build planks over the gaping First World War trench filled with bodies and rats and so on, that is uh, dug from the road to their store. They put uh, planks. Now, I don't think the city supplies these uh, planks. I do believe that the planks are put there by the store owners. Why? Again, why don't they want people to fall into the pit? Why? Damn, this is tough. Oh, I wish I wasn't driving. I could really think somehow about this. Of course, they put the planks there because they want people to have access to their freaking stores, right? So, again, not brain surgery. This is not, uh, you know, 50 pages of tightly, uh, tightly tiny fonted text of mathematical algorithms. This is, huh, I wonder who could have an interest in bringing people to their doorway, Perhaps it could be those who have stores who want people to come and to buy things. There's one thing. Now another thing of course of sidewalks and stuff like this, right? So let's say that you uh, you buy a house, and uh, when you buy the house, uh, there's just no way to get there. Unless you have a helicopter, it's going to be a bit of a hitch. You know, it's a bit of a hitch for you to get to uh, the house, right? So. Uh, it would seem to me likely, given that it's nice to be able to get to the house, and also you need a road to be able to move your stuff to your house from your previous house, that people who build houses and want to sell them would have some interest in uh, building um, roads to those houses. Uh, Now, my particular area, there's no sidewalk. Why? Because it's a a, cul-de-sac. There's no way. It's not a through street, right? So nobody really walks there. And if you walk there, the traffic is so light, like one car every two days, that you could just walk along the, uh, the road. So yes, no sidewalk is privately, no point. No point having a sidewalk. It would be sort of a waste of time and cut into people's property for no good reason and it would be more to maintain expensive, blah, blah, blah. So, so where sidewalks are needed and sidewalks are valuable, sidewalks will be uh, provided. And if sidewalks add to the property value of your neighborhood, then uh, I believe that the people who build the houses will build the sidewalks. And uh, if uh, people prefer not to have sidewalks, uh, because nobody walks around or they don't want the expense or whatever, then uh, people won't. Uh, Walter Block, uh, the great esteemed uh, gentleman, has, of course, a great example with parks. or so Public parks, right? Uh, public parks, the reason that you'd never have a public park, uh, the public parks have to be public goods and provided for by the state, is because you have this problem that every person uh, benefits from uh, who has a house around the public park, Every person, let's just say, benefits from having and now a nice view of the public parks. It's like those, that famous phrase in real estate, a ravine lot, which uh, out here in the flatlands and scrublands of Mississauga means a slight depression that depresses you when you look at it. But um, people look out and they property value their property value goes up because there's now a park there that wasn't before, but no one's going to pay for that, right? That's sort of the idea, right? So parks are not going to be paid for and so on. You can pay for how people come into the park, but so on and so on and so on. Of course, there's no reason why that's the case at all. People just make up these things, right? Like they've never, ever talked to a real... You just go talk to a real estate agent, right? And say, well, if you had a magic wand that was able to add 20% to the value of every home within a particular block, what would you do? Say, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Which way of this pen do I put up my note? And they would say, well, I would buy up the houses and then I would build the land. I'd buy up the houses, as many houses as I could around the park, and then I would uh, build the park, and then I would sell the houses uh, and make a profit. And that profit would be more than enough to pay for the park if we assume also that the park will incur, will uh, generate some profit through giving people entrance fees to come in. Right. But, um, of course, people don't think of that. And say, well, what if the people that don't want to sell in that neighborhood don't want to sell their house?" No problem. Then go build the park somewhere where people do want to sell, at least to some degree, right? Where and, of course, it's subjective as well, as as, Mr., as Dr. Block points out. It's subjective, right? So some people like uh, looking at a park. Other people don't want to look at a park because there's all the young kids having sex in the bushes, uh, shooting up and uh, smoking the doobies and making noise, drinking. Uh, all the stuff that uh, parks, well, public parks are designed for, not so much the private parks. They then go in, into somebody's scurvy little basement, uh, as I did. So... Uh, parks, yeah, of course they can be provided and kept. And beaches, yes, of course they can be provided and kept and blah, 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 blah. I mean, this is just all such nonsense, right? I mean, there's just no reason to believe any of this, right? That, that, that you need a public sector for any of these sorts of things. And here's what, the uh, sort of two two final arguments that I'll make in this sort of area of the free rider problem, that creating the government does not solve the pre- free rider problem. It just turns everyone into the gov- in, who's in the government into a free rider, doesn't doesn't solve the problem, right? Because it's the same thing with the problem of the commons. If you say there's such a thing as the problem of the commons, when you create a government, you create the greatest commons of all, where people can extract value without having to pay costs. if you say that there's a problem with a free rider, that people will accrue benefits to themselves without directly paying for them or paying, they will accrue benefits disproportionately to what they pay. So everyone pays 10 bucks, but one guy gets to pocket 10,000, right? That's the, that's the free rider problem. Even if the guy pays 10 bucks, you know, pocket 10,000 is the free rider problem. So either the free rider problem is not a big deal, in which case you don't need a government, or the free rider problem is a big deal, in which case creating a massive and well-armed free rider planet which crushes everybody else and has the free ride of ad infinitum, scarcely seems to be the problem. Huh, I might have a bit of a sore throat. I know, I'll snort botulism and rub buboes on myself and have sex with a leper. Well, if you're really worried about infection, then don't do those things, right? So if people feel that this free-rider issue is a problem, free-rider defined as people who receive disproportionate goods from shared resources, which everyone pays for collectively, but some people benefit from individually, well, is there any better definition of the hellish problem that is government than the fact that it's a free-rider nightmare on steroids with massive weaponry and exclusivity and the ability to print money and the ability to tax and borrow at will? Is that not the worst goddamn free-rider problem on the planet? So it's very much the same thing that we had in terms of voting, right? And In terms of privatizing in general. Either the problems that the government is supposed to, quote, solve are not that important, in which case they'll be solved by the free market, or they are deadly and important, in which case the government is a much greater manifestation of those problems than anything than the free market that it's supposed to solve. Right. I mean, it's the basic paradox. And so well, we, we need a government to protect our property. Well, we need a government to enforce our property rights, to protect our property. The logic then, of course, is that you, you barely need to point it out, but why not mention it anyway? right? So in order to protect my property, I need to create an uncontrollable monopoly of brute thugs, disproportionately armed relative to my puny little... Saturday night special. I need to create a monopoly of thugs who can take my property at will. And that's my solution to any risk to my property rights. So in order to protect my property, I have to give a group of monopolistic thugs the right to take my property at will. Huh. Great fucking solution. And it's just retarded, right? And it doesn't take more than a moment's thought to just see how retarded this all is, which is of course why, the great mystery that libertarian has never been able to solve—at least, I'd like to think that—you know—here we've made some stabs at the solution in terms of family corruption and personal history and childhood and so on—is that how could any how could people believe something so retarded? How could people believe something so completely contradictory and nonsensical? Well, it's because, of course, their belief systems have been corrupted and destroyed by religions and parents and state education—fundamentally, parents. So if people are really worried about the free rider issue, creating a monopoly of unjust resource transfers called the government based on violence is completely the the absolutely last solution that you would ever come up with conceivably in this or any other universe to deal with the free rider problem. Hey. Free rider is a a significant enough problem that what we need to do is create a monopoly of free riders who are protected by all the guns on the planet. See, free riders are so evil that we need to create them en masse. Rape is so evil that we need to train children that rape is excellent and we need to not protect any women or men who are raped. And we need to pay a million dollars to everyone who can prove that he's raped someone. Because that's how evil rape is. Murder is so evil that we need to create an elite squad of ninja death dealers and pay them a million dollars for every head in a bag they bring us, because that's how evil murder is. Property is such an inviolable right Property rights are such absolute moral standards that we need to create a monopoly of violent thugs who can take any property that they want and enslave anybody that they want. Basically, this is all the statist arguments boil down to. It's such a big problem that we need to create a self-interested monopoly of force that will aggrandize this problem to infinity you see how just mind-fuckingly retarded it is? What a clusterfuck of irrational stupidity it is to conceive of a state as a solution to anything? It's mad Yes. And (laughs) here's the sort of last thing that I'll say in this. I mean, I've just, it's just it's too mind-twistingly ridiculous and idiotic to continue. I mean, good God. (laughs) Here's the other thing, right? So people say, well, (laughs) people won't pay for the fucking lighthouses, so we must all be enslaved, right? The free rider problem is so bad. It's so bad. You see that people don't do the benevolent thing when they're not paid to do it. People don't care about things. Where they could conceivably benefit at the expense of other people, where they can get other people to pay, blah 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 blah. So we need a government. Of course, people don't say a dictatorship except for those still few loony Marxists and and fascists and so on, right? Muslims. They say, well, we should have a democracy. Democracy is the is the solution to the uh, the issue of of uh, free rider thing. Democracy. So if I get this argument straight, and it is almost beyond my powers to encompass this clusterfuck in my brain if I get the argument straight then it goes something like this uh, people people uh, you see people don't do anything that doesn't benefit them materially Right? they're not gonna tip a waiter they're not gonna pay for uh, national defense They're not going to pay for lighthouses. They're not going to pay for sidewalks or anything like that. Because people don't act unless it's in their base self-interest to do so. So we need to get people to vote disinterestedly and without paying them in a positive and correct and moral manner. Sorry, that was a bit of a long-winded way of putting it. Let Let me try it again. Let me try it again. I'll put on the concisenator. Sorry, that was the circumcisenator. That was a little painful. Yow! People say human beings only act in base self-interest, and that's why the free-rider problem is such a big issue. So what we need to do is have people vote in it. People are so self-obsessed with their own interest, that the best solution is to have people vote, which they will do in a disinterested and positive manner. Uh, People only act when they benefit uh, economically directly, so we're not going to pay them to vote. It's a complete and total contradiction. If people can vote in a rational and positive manner, free of uh, economic self-interest, then clearly they can apply resources, time and energy to do something that is not in their direct economic resource, direct economic interest. In other words, they'll pay for the fucking lighthouses and the sidewalks and the schools and the charities and all all this nonsense that people throw around. If people can vote, then you're accepting that they will do things against their economic self-interest for the sake of doing the right thing. And they will do it in good conscience, and they will do it with integrity, and they will do it for the right reasons. And therefore, the whole reason for voting evaporates. The whole reason for a state evaporates. Because by appealing to the vote, you're saying that people will act in general self-interest to the detriment of their own economic interest to do the right thing. And there's no need for a state anymore. If people can vote, there's no need for them to vote. But if you say, well, human beings are so selfish and they're so uh, greedy and they never act outside of their economic self-interest, then, of course, that uh, rule applies to both voters and everyone in the state. And everyone in the state. (sighs) There's no magical flaming wall of other dimensionality that people pierce through and become separate non-self-interested individuals who are perfectly altruistic and only act for the benefit of others and have no self-interest whatsoever. On the other side, in this magic realm called the public sector, where two plus two is five and God exists and elves and dance on leprechauns heads. The free rider problem Either is a big problem, in which case it's going to affect the state much more, much more than any other single social entity because of the monopoly of the use of force. If people really get off on grabbing economic benefits at the, personally aggrandized economic personal benefits at the expense of the majority, then what the hell do you think is going to happen to the politicians and the unions and the state workers and the tax collectors? I mean, it's just going to be a complete shock attack. It's going to be a feeding frenzy on the innards and the jugulars of the taxpayers, which is exactly, of course, what you see. The state creates and exacerbates the free, mar- free rider problem. In the free market, there's no big issue. There's no big big problem with the, uh, the free rider issue when it comes to uh, the sidewalks in a mall. Either it's a big problem, in which case the last thing you can have is, is a state, or it's a little problem, in which case, oh, God, why would you ever want to invent something so hellish? Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it as always. I promise you that the, um, the, uh, the quality of the audio will improve a little bit. I just wanted to get this down while it was on the top of my head. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.